Um, so me and Pastor Light tonight are going to knock out a great sermon for you guys. We're very excited. And um, before we get started with our sermon, which is on, it's called Attitude Check. I want to give a quick praise report because that don't ever, help, don't ever hurt nothing. So my little praise report for the, today is just, you know, it's crazy. So I, everything I've ever spoke on, the Lord always teaches me first. And Attitude Check is very personal to me because I'm a person who naturally gets very easily overwhelmed and has this kind of battle with anxiety. And a lot of things have been going on. My car was all messed up. And turns out the whole transmission was out. But the Lord was like, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. He took care of it. It was all under warranty. I was like, praise the Lord. Finally got my car back after three weeks. I feel like my life is back together now, (laughs) being in my own car. But I was just like, you know what, Lord? I could have been so anxious over that. But the whole time, you know, you kept reminding me, hey, it's okay. And then this morning... I was worried and I was, I was a little nervous, but I was excited nervous about tonight. And I was like, God, you know, I don't want to mess this up. And so my friend is like, hey, while we're going to get your car today, because I have the greatest friends ever who drove me all the way to Meridian to get it, he's like, let's stop by Vans and let's get a coffee. Well, if you don't know, on every cup that comes out of there, there's a scripture on it. And me and my friends love to, when we get coffees from there, to read the scripture together and see what everybody's scripture was. And this morning, mine happened to be Jeremiah 1, 9, which was saying, like, the Lord touched his lips and said, the words that are now in your mouth are, are my words. And I was like, ooh, okay, that's my little, my little comfort from the Lord, because I was nervous, and I was like, okay, Lord, that makes me feel better. You know, I feel like I just got a little hug from the Lord saying, hey, don't worry about it. Have I ever left you alone before? And I was like, no. He's like, so why do you think I am now? And I'm like, because, but he was like, don't worry about it. So that's my little praise report. And I was like, Lord, you're just constantly working everything out to come back for, you know, your glory in this, what we're preaching tonight, be an attitude check. And the story I want to read from is in Numbers 11, 1 through 6. So a little background to this, the Israelites are still wandering around in the wilderness and they have gotten their their attitudes all mixed up because they are tired of looking at this manna that the Lord has provided. They are tired of being too far away from a Walmart. Amazon won't deliver out there. And they are just, they ain't having it no more. So they start complaining. And here's what they're saying. They said, now when the people complained, it dis- it displeased the Lord. The Lord heard it, and his anger was aroused. So the fire of the Lord burned among them and consumed consumed some in the outer skirts of the of the camp and it says then the people cried out to Moses and when Moses prayed the Lord prayed to the Lord the fire was quenched so he called the name of this place Tabaratha I don't know how you say that it don't matter because the fire of the Lord has burned among them now the mixed multitude who were among them yielded to intense craving So the children of Israel also wept again and said, Who will give us meat to eat? But, sorry, wrong one. When, y'all, we remembered the fish which we ate freely in Egypt, the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic. But now our whole being is dried up. There is nothing all except this manna before our eyes like man we should just go back to to Egypt we got all these fruits all these fish like I'm tired of looking at this manna don't want it no more tired of looking at it and you know God's looking at them like are you serious like I, I made bread fall from the sky and you don't want it no more and I feel like sometimes he looks at me that way I'm like God, this situation just is not turning out how I want it to turn out. You are going too slow. You made this promise to me, and I, I've been standing on it for a long time. And he's like, Shelby Grace, girl, wait. This is where we grow some patience. He reminds me of that. We'll be sitting in kids' church, and Kirk will start talking about the fruits of the Spirit. And the Lord's like, that's for you. I'm like, ooh, okay, thanks. But in this time, they were just so... They just were in their feelings, upset and angry. And the Lord was like, hey, I need you to remind you, I'm in control here. So he sends down some fire. And then they're like, Moses, fix it. And Moses begins to pray, and the fire goes away. And I want to 
You know, I want to look at our responses when we get angry. When we get a little bit hangry, as they were, they needed some food besides manna. How do you respond when you're faced with those situations? How do you respond when you become anxious, nervous, angry? Do you do like me and try to fix it on your own and with no help from anyone else? Because that's not really how we should be doing it, but I know that's my first response. My first response is I can handle this on my own. I can fix it. When the Lord is saying, hey, I need your first response to be, God, I don't really know what to do in this moment, so I'm going to need you to give me some guidance. Or, God, I'm really stressed out, and I'm just going to praise you through this through this situation. And as I was sitting back there getting ready to come out here, my heart was beating so fast, and I was like, God, I'm nervous. And as the praise team started to sing, he was like, okay, you got two options. You can sit here and be nervous and psych yourself out. Or you can listen to the praise team and begin to, to worship with them. I was like, okay, well, since I'm telling everybody in the congregation today to put their trust in you, to pray when they become anxious, to worship when they become anxious, I should probably take my own advice and start to praise. And as I did, my heart started to slow down a little bit. And normally, my voice is all shaky, and it's not, because I chose to put my faith in the Lord back there. And I chose to listen when he says, he was reminding me of the scripture that we hear all the time, Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, where it's just basically telling us, trust in the Lord. Just trust in him and he'll make your path straight. Just trust in him. Don't lean on your own understanding. And I feel like that's the part I always get wrong. As I try to lean on my own understanding. And I'm like, God, fix it. But then I never give him the opportunity to fix it. I become like the Israelites. And a lot of times when I'm reading their story, I'm like, man, they're dumb. Like, why couldn't they get it together? Like, if y'all had just hushed and listened, like he was speaking to Moses, he was telling y'all what to do. There was food falling from the sky. Like, you had your every need provided for you. What was going on? And then God reminds me, hey, your every need is provided for you. You have a wonderful family and church family, and you live in a great place where everybody loves you and is praying for you, and you don't even know it. So I need you to calm down and listen. I need you to listen when I'm talking to you. I need you to listen and see where I'm providing for you. And scientifically, when we are looking at this, when we're focused on the negative bad things in life, that's all you're going to see. And when we're focused on the good things, that's what you're going to see. And so the Lord was challenging me, Shelby Grace, today as you're going through your day, look for all the good things. In the storm, look for the good things. You can absolutely choose to hear the thunder and see the lightning and see how everything is just bad about the storm. Or you can look at it and say, hey, I bet those farmers who haven't got some rain in a long time are really glad that their crops are getting some water. Hey, I, I bet that rainbow after the storm is going to be gorgeous. We can absolutely choose to take that perspective, or we can take the, the thunder is scary and I don't want to go through this storm. And Jesus slept through the storm. Like, that's the most at peace you can be. And the Lord, you know, may not be telling you to take a nap through it. That would be my, the best answer for me. But he's saying, hey, when trouble comes, when you're stuck in a wilderness and you're getting aggravated, I need you to keep your mind at peace. I need you to stay settled in me. I need you to trust me. And that's when he tells us in Matthew 6, verse 25, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, or about your body, or what you will wear. Isn't there much more to life than just food and body and clothing? And I'm like, yeah, God, there is. Maybe I should choose to check my attitude and instead of going, God, I can't do this, I don't want to do this, I'm not getting it my way, saying, okay, God, no, I don't understand what's happening. I don't understand why, you know, you're making this me wait, but I know, ultimately, you've got a reason. And so I'm going to sit back, and I'm going to give you control, and I'm not going to worry about it. He tells us also in Matthew chapter 6, verses 34, but seek the first... First, the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be provided for you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. 
That that's true. I don't have to worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow I'll worry about itself. I worry enough about things five years down the road that don't even matter. And a couple weeks ago, Pastor Lott said in his sermon, sometimes we're so focused on our five-year plan that we become so overwhelmed with things that aren't even in the current moment. And I figure that, that's kind of what we're all doing. We're all facing this, this huge burden of anxiety, but it's because we're looking at things that don't matter. The Lord says, seek the kingdom first. And a lot of times when we're saying, okay, I'm going to check my attitude, you may have to check it multiple times a day. I do. My mom has to remind me a lot of times. She goes, Shelby Grace, I'm your mama, not your friend. Check your attitude. I'm like, yes, ma'am. And sometimes we do that a lot. And the Lord has to remind me. He's like, the Holy Spirit goes, hey, hey, you're getting kind of mad for no reason. Let's check it. Let's pray about it. And, hey, you kind of are letting this stuff get to you a little too much. You're not finding joy in me. You're not seeking the kingdom because you're worried about other things that don't matter. And, you know, we oftentimes are just stuck in that place and in this cycle. And God says, hey, I'm here. I'm here. God will give us a promise or a word and we don't receive it in the fulfillment of the time we think we should. Become anxious. Our prayers start to sound a lot like David when he was just not feeling it. And saying, oh, woe is me. This is horrible. God, why can't I have it now? But God says, hey, just wait. Just wait. I promise there's a reason. And every time the Lord has told me to wait, when I actually listen to him, he will go, okay, Shelby Grace, it's been a few years now. You're looking back at it. And now do you see why I told you to wait? I'm like, oh, God, that makes sense. If I had moved when I wasn't supposed to move, I probably would have ended up totally outside of your will. If I had gone how I felt and said, oh, I don't like this situation. I'm just going to blow up at it and, you know, cause a big thing and just move on about it. Well, then I would have lost something that's, you know, I would have lost a friendship or something that's very important to me now. And so he's always telling me, hey, Hold on. Check yourself. Check your attitude. And then that goes into how we sometimes forget those things that he's done in the past. And I look at it and I'm like, God, I'm in a situation again where I don't really feel like I know what's going on. And I don't really feel like you're here. He's like, Shelby Grace, did I leave you yesterday? I'm like, no, God. Did I leave you the day before? Well, no. So why are you worried about today? Why are you worried about this moment and this situation? And oftentimes I feel like we become a little bit, a little bit stuck in this place. And maybe, honestly, me personally, a little ungrateful for the things that God does for me. He's constantly having to remind me, hey, that thing you're worried about, just hold on. I got you. I got it covered. And I'm here. And I need you to remember that I've taken care of it. And he'll usually pull me back to the story of the Israelites or something like that or in the storm and those different stories and remind me, hey, don't forget that I've done it for them. I've done it for you. I'll do it again. And I'm like, well, God, you know, I don't, I don't see it. It's not like my plan. He's like, hold on. And, you know, when we fall into that place, we often worry and, and forget the blessings that he has put in our life in the past. And that's when it comes time to check that attitude and look for those positive things. Because when we begin to look for God in those daily moments, that's when we begin to find him. And the more and more we look for God in the daily moments, it becomes a habit. And that's when people are looking at you and going, how do you have so much joy? How do you have so much peace right now? And you're like, well, I, I just look for God in, in my everyday life. I look for him when I get up in the morning and, you know, I've got breath in my lungs. I, I look for him when that perfect song gets sang or comes on the radio and just immediate peace comes over me. I look for him in, in the scriptures on the cups. I look for him in the random encounters that I have with people 
or the small conversations you get to have with people about the Lord. I was blessed today to get to have a conversation with my coworker about the Lord and, and getting to talk to her because she was like, are you nervous about tonight? And I was like, yeah, a little bit. And then she just started talking and we started talking about the Lord and she began opening up and I was like, that's a God moment. And when we look for those and we see those, we're like, okay, God, you are there. And I do feel peace about this. And I do feel your presence. And when we get in the car after a stressful day and choose to turn on that worship song, mine right now has been the one they've been singing on Sunday mornings. I've witnessed it. It's been amazing. Because I'm like, okay, God, I have witnessed your faithfulness. I have witnessed your goodness. I have witnessed your follow-through in every situation. If I needed it or not, you provided exactly what you knew I needed in that moment, whether it was what I thought I needed or not. And I've witnessed it. And it says, I will tell. I'll tell the nations. I'll tell my city. I'll tell my people and my family about how I've witnessed it. I'm like, okay, God, I'm going to tell everybody I've witnessed it. Because in those times where I have faced anxiety, he has been there. And I can guarantee you, everybody in here has probably had a bad day. And the Lord was here for you and you've witnessed it. Because I love this quote that I saw on TikTok. I know, crazy, but I saw it on TikTok. And it said, I can promise you, you don't realize it, but you've made it through 100% of your worst days. And that ain't because of me. That's because of the Lord. I've made it through 100% of my worst days because God was there the whole time. So even when I feel like there's nothing for me to look at and I have forgotten everything else the Lord has done for me in the past, I look at it and go, well, I've made it through almost 18 years and that was not by me because I am not that smart to make it through life on my own like that. That was the Lord because I am clumsy and silly and I don't always get it right. But when I don't get it right, the Lord says, hey, I got you because even though you messed up, guess what? It's now a testimony. You messed up, it's all right. We're going to turn it around. We're going to use it for my good or my glory, your good. And I'm like, yes, Lord, okay, I got this. I feel confident in this now. And he always reminds me when I do get in that place of complaining or when I get in that place of I've forgotten what he's done and I've become ungrateful, he reminds me, Shelby Grace, I've never left you. I'm still with you. And if you look for me, you seek my kingdom, you will find me. And I want to leave you, before I hand it over to Pastor Lott, with one more scripture from Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Do not worry about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God will surpass all understanding, and it will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. And that was the Lord. He has to use it on me a lot. He pulls it up and says, remember, here's what you do when you're facing that situation of feeling overwhelmed and you just want to complain and vent to your friend. I'm sorry, April. I do that to you all the time. I call it venting. You know it's just complaining and you call me out on it and say, girl, we got to pray about it. He tells me when we're faced with that, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to the Lord and the peace that you need will come over you. So as we have just discussed, checking your attitude when we get in that place of complaining, or forgetting what he's done, I want you guys to remember that, that in Philippians 4, 6, and 7, he has given us the key to fight that place. Amen. Absolutely. That, that is the starting point of either something good or something bad. In other words, when life starts to throw something at you, and life starts to throw adversity... It is simply that choice. I'm either going to start from that moment complaining. I'm either going to start from that moment being ungrateful. I'm either going to head down that road or I'm going to do what Shelby Gray said and I'm going to, I'm going to focus on, I'm going to look for, I'm going, to, I'm going to focus on my mind, my heart toward God and say, God, there's a reason for this. We're going to get through this. And if you don't do that, then that, that heads us down a different road. The next two points are not good points. I would love to tell you that in the story that Israel falls on their face and Israel you know, says, God, we're so sorry. We, we did what Shelby Grace said to do and, and, and we're going to just focus on you and we're just going to praise you and we're going to thank you. But they take it another step. And it's a step many times we do. 
Number three, point three of the four tonight is simply this. Do you shut down with God? Do you reach a point where you shut down? I've had all I want. I'm through. My mind is not focused on God. It's focused on something totally different. Cucumbers, leeks, what I used to do, where I used to go, how I used to live. Man, do I still have my buddy's number? Man. And it's easy to do that because in the middle of a problem, it's easy for our minds to go one way or the other. That's, that's the problem. That's why God takes Israel and puts them in a desert. Because what He's trying to do is not hurt them. What He's trying to do is train them how to, to see, you got nothing but me. If you'll just realize, you got nothing but me. But I'm enough. For whatever situation, whatever circumstance, I am enough. And this isn't an Old Testament story. Go with me in your Bibles to Romans 15, 1 through 6. And listen to how the Apostle Paul is describing this, how we are to treat each other. Here's what he says. We then who are strong, who in other words have made the right choice, who, who have, are leaning the right way, ought to bear with the uh, scruples of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good. Leading to edification. In other words, building them up. Man, you're going to make it. It's going to be all right. Why do I have to do that? Because all of us have a tendency to go one way or the other. And when we see a friend that's going that direction, it is our responsibility to turn to them, which is what Moses is trying to do. Guys, God is good. God's going to take care of us. Calm down. Don't, you don't want to do this. And, and, and when they do it the first time, he sends fire. And, and, and Moses is like, God, don't kill him. Don't kill him. And he's like, guys, get it. you you're, you got to get this. He, he's he's going to take care of you. But it still doesn't work. But let each of us please his neighbor, leading to edification. For even Christ did not please himself. But as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. Part of what Jesus had to deal with was the fact that he was the forerunner for everything you get criticized for. Think about it. You get criticized for believing in him. He, get, he gets criticized for being him. You, you get criticized, well, I believe in Jesus. Well, okay. He got criticized saying, I am the Son of God. So much so, they killed him. And he said, listen, I took the reproach of everybody. You don't have to worry about the reproach because I rose from the dead. I overcame the enemy. I won victory. 2,000 years later, we still have victory. That we, through the patience and comfort of Scriptures, notice that, of Scripture, might have hope. Now, may the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded toward one another according to Christ Jesus. Here's what it says. That you may with one mind and one mouth, that's what Shelby Grace is talking about, that you with one mind and one mouth might do what? Might glorify the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's, that's what we're called to do. But, but if we keep pushing this thing the other direction, then it creates a problem. Do you shut down when God... Here's what Psalm 62 and 8 says. Psalm 62 and 8. Trust in Him at all times, you people. Pour out your heart before Him. For God is a refuge for us. Selah. That's what he is. That's what he wants to be in every situation you're in right now. In every circumstance that you're going through right now, God says, I want to be your refuge. I want to be your only answer. I want to be the thing that you run to. I want to be the one that you call on. I want to be, I want to be that answer. And we have that choice to choose whether or not we will let him be or not let him be. So then let's look at why, let me get a little deeper on this part. Let's look at why we struggle with this. Why do we struggle with this? Well, listen, some of the problems that causes us to stonewall with God are these. We don't sometimes have a genuine belief 
that we or God can actually handle the situation. One of the funny parts of this story is where Moses and God says, listen, I'm going to send quail. And, it, and it's not going to be enough quail to feed you one day, two days, ten days. I mean, God is just like telling it. He just, he's like, it ain't even going to last 21 days. But for a whole month, you're going to get so much quail, you're going to get sick of eating quail. And even Moses, who's the leader, said, God, there ain't no way you can do that. Even Moses, who's the leader, looks and says, you know, I believe in you, God, but you know, <laughs> that's not that much. I mean, you could part a Red Sea and all, but you can't just make quail come in like that. I mean, that's an impossibility. And God has to correct Moses and say, tomorrow, watch. It's basically what he did. Just watch. You just tell him, get ready, because it's coming. This whole conversation, this 11th chapter, is about people who have lived their whole life in, in a bondage. They've lived their whole life in slavery. They've lived their whole life beneath. And because of it, they have a genuine belief. And this is their genuine belief. We're not going to make it. We, we pick on them, but they have a genuine belief inside of them that we're not going to make it. Let me just ask you this question. When you have a problem, what's the first thought that goes through your mind? Oh, Lord. Is subconsciously you're thinking, we're not going to make it. When a storm comes, when a problem arises, when you get the bad phone call, Oh, here we go. We're kind of like Fred Sanford. Every time he got a bad report, what is This is a big one. This is, I ain't going to make it. I'm coming to see Ethel. Because every problem that he had, his, his first response was, I can't deal with this. I can't handle Hey, call Pastor Lot. He can handle this. I, can't, I need to dump this on him. Because I can't handle this. The second thing that causes them problem is, is the underlying hopelessness that a result cannot be found. That Moses even said, you can't do that. You can't make quail come like that. That somehow in our minds, since we can't figure out how it would happen, then it can't happen. Since we can't figure out the way God could put all the points together yeah, if God did this and God did this, yeah, I could see how that would happen. But when we can't do that, there's a genuine hopelessness that rises in us. Another problem is this. We use it as a means of manipulating people. They're, they're using this to manipulate God. God's not mad because they just have problems believing. He's mad because they have a strategy. We whine, and if we whine long enough... Somebody will fix it. Now, I know y'all don't do none of that. But if I sit in this chair long enough, somebody will feel sorry for me and help me. If I walk around with a sad face long enough, if I act mad long enough, if I do what I do to win the art, if I do what I do long enough, somebody will come along and say, fine, we'll just do what you want to do. Good. I knew you would come around. And people do this. And Israel is doing this. They've watched God do all these things. They just don't like what they're getting, as Shelby Gray said. They don't like the menu. They don't like the food. We don't like this anymore. We're not dying. We're not, but we're drying up on the inside. We're, 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 how do we get what we want? Let's just lay on the ground. Let's just stand by our tent doors and just, oh, I'm about to die. Let's just complain until God finally says, fine, I'll give you what you want. That's what he's done every time. When they get to the Red Sea, we're going to die. We should have stayed. No, I want to get your cross. We get to the waters of Murrah. Oh, it's bitter. We're going to just die of bad water. No, I'm going to make it sweet. Time and time again, he just keeps fixing it. And time and time again, they learn to manipulate it. And it's also a means to bring a situation to a crisis. Listen, it didn't bother them to bring it to a crisis. Because they didn't care if they broke the relationship with God or not. Now listen, be very careful here because when you start to go past complaining, ungratefulness, and you get into the mode of shutting down, then what is really happening is you don't care. If somebody hurts your feelings... 
you'll sit home next Sunday. Because I really have been looking for a way to break the relationship anyway, and now Pastor Lot said something. Now, 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 don't tell me. I got to hurt. I can hold on to this in 22 years. You were wanting to break the relationship anyway. You were wanting to destroy it anyway. Because you, you didn't want to live trusting, and you didn't want to live from one problem to the next to this. I'm wanting it easy, and I can go back to at least there. It was easy. I knew what I was getting. I knew life every day. I knew it was messed up, so why worry about it? It's a way of also breaking up a relationship. Of saying, I really don't want to be with you. You know, we can still be friends, but we're really going to go back. And all of this is what they're using in their manipulation. Let me give you a couple more that, that it can be used for. When a person starts moving past ungratefulness and moving past complaining, and they start shutting down, listen to me. It can be a coping mechanism for difficult situations. I'm going to ask you something very serious tonight. Your attitude is what we talked about in times, and we say this all the time. Your attitude is your altitude. If, if it's a coping situation, if it's a coping mechanism for difficult situations, if every time you get in a problem, you're going to shut down, life's never going forward. And a lot of people do this. They, it's tough. It's hard. I'm just shutting down until it gets better. I'm just shutting down until it passes. I'm just shutting down. I'm not, I'm not dealing with this. We see this in stories, but what if the Bible stories didn't turn out the way they did? What if Daniel is told, if you pray, we're going to kill you? So Daniel shuts down and says, I'm just going to deal with it. I'm just going to be quiet for a while. I'm just going to keep my windows closed and not deal with this. I'm, I'm just going to... We wouldn't look at him and say, boy, you're really bad. No, we think he's normal. We'd say, that's a smart thing to do, Daniel. It's what I'd have done. I wouldn't have got myself killed over that. You can pray next week. No sense in praying this week. Take a week off. Come on now. It's a coping mechanism that we use to give ourselves an out so that we don't have to deal with something at the present time. Whether it's a relationship, whether it's children, whether it's our job, whether it's... We just shut down. I'll give, you a, I'll give you a way to, to know if you are. People will ask you this question. It'll seem weird to you because you'll think nothing's going on. And they're going to look at you and say this. Just, you can write this down. It's real important. What's wrong with you? You know, people walk up to you like I have a clear blue. Hardly barely know you. And they're just like, you all right? I'm fine. I'm fine. Well, you ain't been acting fine. Ain't nothing wrong with me. I'm just going through some stuff. Don't look like you're going through it. <laughs> look like you died in it. <laughs> just letting you know, the face says you're dead. And so in your life, it's a coping mechanism. And it also can be, and this, this is to kind of let Israel a little bit off the hook. It's a trauma response. I know we like to pick at Israel, but for 400 years, they've been in, in bondage. There's a reason why they feel like we're never going to make it. We're, because every day of their life, somebody told them you weren't going to make it. And now here's this God bringing fire and clouds, and you're going to make it. Okay. But for some of us, we've got hurt in relationships in the past. And when somebody comes along and says, I won't hurt you. Okay. We have a mechanism. We have a, a shutdown mode. We have a, a wall that we build and it protects us from getting too hurt or too in trouble. or Because we remember the trauma from our childhood. I don't want to have children. Why? Because I don't want nobody to grow up the way I grew up. It's a bad world to raise kids in. I just don't want to have any. And then we live our whole lives wanting children but not having children because we're too traumatized. Is this okay? Y'all awful quiet. 
So it becomes a traumatic experience. Well, let me, let me give you six ways people, six ways people shut down difficult situations and conversation. Now, now you can remember this, write this, download it later. These are six phrases that people will use to try to deal with shutdown mode and difficult situations. Number one, I get it, I get it, I'm a terrible person, I'm just a bad person, I, I know I'm the reason. You ever been in a conversation and somebody used that phrase? I know it, it's all my fault, just blame me, I know it, I know it, I don't even know why you even keep me around. Can I tell you what they're doing? Look at the person beside you and say it to their face. Shutting down. They're shutting down. I don't want to deal with that. I don't want to talk about it. Just, just blame me. I'll just, I, I can live with the pain of being blamed a whole lot more than I can deal with the pain of dealing with it. I don't want to go through all that again. I don't want to walk through all that again. And, and so it's, it's, it's not ironic that Israel looks at God every time and says, We'll just go back to Egypt. We'll just go back to Egypt. That's fine. We're, it's all our fault. We're bad people. We're no good. We're not, we're not built for this. You're good. Just go do what you want to do. We're just going to go back to Egypt. Number two, another phrase you might hear, it sounds like this. Okay, okay, enough, enough. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Let's just move on. Another phrase that you might hear. Move on already. Can't we just, can't we just, get, can't we just get past this? We, we always keep bringing this same thing up. It's because we've never resolved this thing. I know you're writing these down or you're remembering them. Because you're going to catch yourself saying them sometimes. You're going to catch yourself doing them sometimes. You're going to be in conversations with people that do them. And really all we're wanting to do is to escape what we're in at the moment. For whatever reason, whether we're trying to manipulate it, whether we're dealing with trauma, whether we're dealing with whatever, we do not want to move forward. We, we just want things. Why can't things just calm and be good and do the same thing every day and there is no drama? life doesn't work that way. You don't think Jesus knew, God knew when he took him in the desert there was a bitter waters in Mara? You don't think he knew that a few days in they'd be running out of water? You don't think God had it figured out that as they were walking along they were going to get tired of food, they were, were going to get tired of this? They were, don't you think God probably had a reason for all of that? It was so that they would embrace and deal with and not continually avoid. That they would stop trying to avoid their problems. But they would embrace them and go through them. If they would, they'd go into promised land. But God would say about this people, this is a stiff-necked people. This is some hard-headed people. I mean, I can starve them half to death and they still won't. I mean, there's a parent. Think about that. You got that kid, man. It's like, I have done everything. I've spanked them. I've not spanked them. I've grounded them, took away their own Xbox. I've... And they just look at me like, so? God, it'd be easier to just kill them and go have another one. Now, you think that's, brother Lot, that's a mean thing to say. It's amazing how God says that. Moses, get out of the way. I just kill them all and we'll start over with you. So I'm being godly. I want you to realize I'm being very godly when I say, God, just let me kill them. We'll start over. Because we reach points with situations. Because when people say, I, 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 that's enough. Okay, okay, enough. I'm sorry. Hey, can we just move on? Do we, do, we don't have to talk about it no more. Hey, hey, hey. Or how about this one? The moment you say, now we need to get to, well, you know what you've done. You can write that down as well you. 
Because the moment somebody starts trying to tell you about your stuff, and they, well, you, when you do this, then we'll talk about me. And that's Israel. If you'd have told Israel, Israel, we need you to grow. Well, when God starts giving us better menus, we'll start talking about doing better. We're out here eating just stuff floating out of the sky. About to die out here. When God gets his act together and finally gets us to Canaan land, then we'll act better. You know what? When my husband starts doing better, that's when I'm going to. When my church does more, that's when I'll do more. When this happens, when that happens, that's when I'll get my act together. Well, you. We'll move on. That's not a good one. (laughs) Then there's the lay down position. I can't believe you put up with me. Why do you even spend time? I'm just a mistake all the time. I'm just always messing up. I'm just always, I mean, I don't do anything right. It's similar to the first one. But this one is more wanting you to become taking care of me. You know I'm just this way. Drug addicts will do this all the time to you. I, I, I'm, I guess I'm too hard on that. It's like if I dealt with that and somebody said, you know, I'm just that way, I'd take a hammer and bam! You're not that way anymore. <laughs> Look at that. You just changed. And just know this, every time you say that's the way you are, you're going to get a new knot. That sounds crazy, but that's really what God does. If you were to ask Kenneth and others who've come through long stints, how does God do that? Well, God just keeps loving on me and hugging me, and he just walks me through. No, Kenneth will tell you, he said, every time I get up, God, pop! I start to get going, God, pop! Well, you know, I just wham, I doing that stuff, my brain don't work right. Pop! And he's going to keep doing it until you. But we, when we do this, we're wanting somebody to feel sorry for us, for somebody to help us, for somebody to. Then there's the defense mode. You know, when that person looks at you and you're trying to help them and they look at you and give you these famous words, well, you know all I've done for you. And I'm just trying, I just need a little help from you. I just need you to do one thing. If you just pick up clothes. I, I, I do everything around here. If I could just get you to do one thing. Man, this stuff would be good if it was, if it was good, wouldn't it? But this is the way it works. This is, this is our modes of dealing with and walking away from in our life, shutdown. You've got to understand shutdown mode because it comes from this mindset that Shelby Grace, Shelby Grace said it perfectly. She's like, look, change your attitude. Change your mind. Because if you don't, then you're going to where Pastor Lot just described. And some of you are like, that's me. That means in the middle of the problem, you didn't throw up your hands. You didn't run to God. You didn't submit. You didn't, and maybe even to the night, you still haven't. You're still complaining or grumbling, waiting for somebody to fix it, going through shutdown mode, hoping something in life will change. Go with me to Isaiah 55 and 8. Isaiah 55 and 8. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. Let me go ahead and give you a precursor. Whatever you think you have figured out, you don't. And however you think God's going to figure it, work it out, He's not. If He did, that means you're as smart as He is. And God won't allow that. God goes ahead and tells you from the get-go, are you going to follow me? Yeah, well, let me just go ahead and tell you. Your ways, not my ways. And your thoughts, not my thoughts. Let me show you another one that will help you on this. Go to Leviticus 26 and 4. Leviticus 26 and 4. And this is what he told Israel. Then I will give you rain in its... And the land shall yield its produce and the trees of the field shall yield their fruit. 
I will give you rain in its season literally means a set time. It means a set time. Look at the person beside you and say, there's a set time. For what you're needing, for what you're wanting, for the breakthrough, for the miracle, for, there is a set time. There is a season. Why the guy in, in Jesus' time had to be lame for 30-something years before Jesus finally showed up, I don't know, but it was part of his season. He had to go through, and when Jesus came by at that moment, his season changed. But for 30 plus years, he could have cried every day, whined every day, done whatever he wanted. The season was not changing. In its due season, oh, in its due season, due means that it will happen. In its proper season, in its correct time, it will happen. And what will happen? Rain blessings will fall. That's what he was trying to teach them. That's, what he, that's, that's the same scriptures he gave them in the desert. Guys, in due season, I will give you everything you need. In its season, I'm going to do it. In due time, I am going to do it. And when that season comes, look, the land shall yield its produce. And the trees shall yield their fruit. So, Brother Lot, how in the world then, how do we transform from being what we were? Because number four is this. Do you tonight try the Lord's patience? It's probably the most serious question you'll ever answer. Do you in this room tonight, are you trying the Lord's patience? What do you mean, Brother Lot? Well, let's just go back through it. Do you complain a lot about what God's not done yet or fixed yet? Or do you act ungrateful for the things you already have and act like they're not good enough and it's not enough and if I had a little more, I'd be happier and I'd be... Are you ungrateful? Have you started reaching shutdown mode where when people try to, as Romans said, try to encourage you and try to strengthen you, you've got these cliches and these phrases and these other things and you just keep deflecting everybody off and you just keep spiraling and you reach number four or you just reach the point where you just tried God's patience. Let me show it to you this way. Go with me to Numbers 11, 18 through 20. Numbers 11, 18 through 20. This is the final part of the story. Then you shall say to the people, consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow you shall eat meat, for you have wept in the hearing of the Lord. Make that, and you make that sound like, like God's like, you've been weeping and it really has, that's not what he's saying. What we would say in our mind, you've been whining and God's been hearing it what he says and you shall eat the meat for you have whined in the hearing of the Lord saying who will give us meat to eat who's going to take now they notice now they got God and they're asking the question who's going to help us who's going and God's like me 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 and they're like we got nobody we got nobody that's what they've done who will give us meat for it was well with us in where verse 19 keep it rolling in Egypt, therefore the Lord will give you meat and you will eat it. You shall eat not one day, not two days, not five days, not ten days, not twenty days. But for a whole month. That sounds so much like Pastor Lot talk right there. Oh, you're going to get it. And it ain't going to be for a little bit or just a little while. You're going to get it until you're sick of it. And that's what God tells them. He says, you're going to get it. And I love this. Until it comes out your nostrils. You're going to eat, eat so much bird, you're going to be thinking, well, oh, I, I can't get it out of my nose. I got, I, got, I got bird all in. I got feathers everywhere. Because you have despised the Lord who is among you. You've done spiraled now to where you make a mockery of the one who was promised to take care of you. And have wept before him saying, why do we ever... Why did we ever come out of Egypt? 
You ever sit in church? Why did we even ever start church? Why did I even go to church? Why did I even pray? Don't seem like it does any good. Why don't I just stay home? You see, this is who you are. This is what you become. Verse 21. Well, verse 20 is where we ended. And Moses said, The people whom I among you are 600,000 men and foot, yet you said I will give them meat that they may eat for a month. This is where Moses, I said, says, Look, you can't do this. Even Moses. In verse 22, show it to me. We'll just go ahead and throw it up. I like that. I'm, I'm working them to death up back there. Shall flocks and herds be slaughtered for them to provide enough for them? Or shall all the fish of the sea... I love how Moses exaggerate. I guess you're just going to get all the fish out of the sea to feed us. Now God knows how dumb that is. Because God can say, Moses, I can take one blue whale and flop him right on top of your big head. And these folks can eat whale meat for a long, long time. You don't even know how big one is. You ain't ever seen one as long as a football field. 100 yards long. But God's like, really, Moses? Or shall the fish of the sea gather together to, to provide enough for them? And I mean, he, he, this, is, this is the people. This is the people. But God is saying, listen, you've wore my patience out. I'm not going to read all the Scripture and tell you how it ends, but I'll just tell you how it ends. Bible says a wind came and blew the quail in. Not one person, not one person that picked up quail did not pick up more than ten quail, five in each hand. Big. That's the least they picked up as they were walking away. Out of two million people, they're all just walking around. It came up to their legs. The interpretation says that if you chose any direction to walk, you could walk a whole day's journey and not get to the end of where the quail was. If you started walking right now and started walking toward Raleigh, and by morning when you got to somewhere and you stopped and said, wow, that's a long way, there would have been quail from here all the way to there. God says, don't tell me what I can't do. Praise me for what I can do. So you think you've got a problem right now. It's too big, God. It's too, it's too, I mean, you don't, you don't realize my kids. You don't know my, my family. You don't know our marriage. You don't know. No, you don't know God. God's patience is long, but it's not limitless. They did have quail. They picked them up. And the Bible says when they laid them out, got them all prepared, and when they started eating Meat rotted in their teeth. God said, I just wanted to show you I could do it. I wasn't going to give it to you. You done ticked me off. Yeah, I'm going to give you that car and I'm going to let you try to pay the payments. Every month, be like, God, I need help. I'm just going to smile like, nope. Nope. Let it rot between your teeth. Get sick of looking at it. You said, brother, he wouldn't do that. Did it to me. 19 years old, I was called into ministry, just needed a car. I traded in the one I had. I told my dad, I want a new car. My dad tried to talk me into different things. No, it's what I want. I got that new Oldsmobile Calais because I was a preacher and I'm going to be traveling the country. And I did. And I also was tearing out that payment book every single day. They don't do that no more. We used to give them payment books. Five years of payment book. $219. And I'd tear it out and put that and send it with a check every single month. My mom would even call me and say, did you pay your car note? I think, yes, mother, I paid my car note. Well, you got to because your dad co-signed for you. Now we ain't going to ruin his name because of you. <laughs> That's as real as it gets right there now. Like, yeah, you're going now, but you ain't taking us with you. You better get another job, son. 
God ever done you that way? God is patient. But don't ever, ever, ever think it's limitless. Here's what he says in Numbers 14. Numbers 14 and 18. Just a little short distance later, God's kind of got him a little distance away from that problem. And he says, let me tell you something. The Lord is long-suffering and abundant in mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgression. But He, by no means, clears the guilty. I don't know what you know about God. But God loves you. And God wants nothing but the best for you. But listen to me very clearly. If you keep pushing towards something you want, that God says, it ain't the season, it ain't the time, but I'm going to get it anyway, God, or I'm going to sit here and whine, or I'm going to complain, or I'm going to lay in the floor, or I'm going to skip church, or I'm going to do whatever I got to do, I get what I want. Let me just go ahead and tell you, you'll get it. You'll get it. But you ain't going to like what it tastes like. It's much better to trust and follow. It's much better to not grumble or complain. It's much better, better to look, as Shelby Gray said, for the good in something and not always the bad because you're going to see what you're looking for. The Lord is long-suffering and abundant in mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgression, but He by no means clears the guilty. Visiting the iniquity of the Father on the to the third and the... We always talk about, oh, you're going to bless me to the third and fourth. Let me tell you what He also will do. What you keep doing right now, your kids will either have to fix it or relive it. That's just as true as God blessing you for generation to generation. We fail to remember that. And I'm not trying to scare you. I'm trying to tell you, choose what Shelby Grace was joyfully sharing. Getting a coffee cup and, man, that was God. Having a God moment when she's, when she's doing her business and, and she meets somebody and, and they get to talk about it. It's a God moment. In front of you every day is a God moment. Every moment is a God moment. While you're sitting in this room right now, you got a God moment. If there's things that aren't right, you can make them right right now. You can correct it. You can, you can decide, I'm turning. You don't have to walk away. Man, I ain't doing that. I'm just going to do what. That's the way it's going to be. You can choose. You get to choose what it will be like when you walk out that door. Will you stand? If I've got prayer people that are here and here tonight, if you'll come up front, Shelby Grace, if you'll come up here. And I just feel like there may be somebody if you're a prayer person, just come across the front here. and You can get down there too. I want you to pray. And I feel like there's somebody that's going to want you to pray for them. And whoever you are tonight, maybe something that me and Shelby said. Maybe it registered. I want for the next four, five, ten, twenty generations, I hope God comes back way before them. You say, brother, but I've done things. I've messed up. Well, we all have. That's not the point. We all. It's just when you say, I'm tired of doing those things. And anything in my past, I just simply say, God, I'm sorry. I can't go back and fix it, but I'm sorry. But I promise you from this moment on, I don't, I don't want to grumble about everything you want me to do. I'm tired of complaining about every time it's what you... I know, read my Bible, and preachers always telling me, study or pray or do... And I, and I, but i got to do it. Because let me tell you the three things that you got to do to change your 
life. Three things. Number one is this. Practice mindfulness. The Word of God is your compass. You've got to fill your mind with the right directions. Number two, you've got to talk about it. That means you've got to pray. You can't hold it in. You can't get upset about it. You've you got you to just say, look, this is, this is what I'm angry about. It's okay. God does not get mad. When, he loves it when I just come to Him. And I, it took me years to figure that out, that I just come in sometimes and just throw stuff down. Like, God, I'm telling you, I should be making me mad. And I can just see God like, it's okay, Tim, let it out. I know, God, I shouldn't do that. I should be, no, God, Tim, just let it out. Just, just let it out. It's okay. Because, because part of healing is being able to talk honestly to a loved one. Any, any psychiatrist, anybody that tells you, the first thing they're going to tell you, you need to talk to somebody. Well, guess what? God says, here I am. Oh, well, I don't want to bother you. Bother me. Come talk to me. Number three, you have to look for professional help. There isn't one person that can take you from the hurt that you have, the disappointment, the past, the, the anxiety, the, there ain't but one person that can take you from that to where you know you want to be. And that's your father. That's God your father. If you're in this room tonight, you say, that's me, Pastor. And I want you just to step out from where you are. I want you to find somebody and say, look, would you pray with me? I'm angry about this. Or, hey, I'm frustrated with where my life is. It's okay. You're not doing anything wrong. You're being honest. Otherwise, you've got to go home with those feelings and to be mad at God with your arms crossed, sitting in a chair, or with a remote in your hand, trying to find the right show that makes you feel better. It's not there. It won't happen until you finally step out. You may have animosity built up between you and your husband, your wife. You may, you may just have to look at her and say, I need to go pray. I've just, I've just been angry. You may have to look at him and say, I just need to go pray. I've just been angry. Things aren't worked the way I wanted to, and, 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 and it's just frustrating me. If you're in this place tonight, every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're in this place tonight, you say, Pastor, I need to talk to him. I need, I need someone to just talk with me. And even if you say, I just want to pray by myself, you can kneel down and nobody's going to bother you. But this is your moment. This is your moment to right now, right now, step out and say, I'm not taking this home. I'm not going to be like an Israelite. And I'm not going to keep just irritating God because I just keep trying to get my way. Father, tonight, for whoever they are, for whatever one person, five people, 12 people, God, that's what, this is what Bible study, this is what Wednesday night's about. It's prayer. It's called prayer meeting. It's not about us fixing ourselves. It's about us coming to You. We've studied Your Word. We've studied Your Word. Now we need to apply it. Father, for whoever that person is in this room right now, young or old, who's just been frustrated. They feel like they're shutting down. They don't feel anymore. Their emotions are just dying out. And they think that's a good thing because I just don't, I don't hurt anymore. I don't feel anything, but that's not a good thing. It means they can't feel. And God, I speak right now that God, you will break that in them, that a tear will begin to fall, that God, just a, a shaking of their hand, they will realize it's time to feel again. It's time to believe again. It's time to move again. Father, I praise you for it. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Would you just, where you are this night, would you just reach over to the person beside you and just. Just pray that for them right now and just say, God, don't let, don't let the things of this world, don't let the frustrations, don't let all the ups and downs, the goods and the bad, make them try to shut down. 
But God give them strength to move to their Canaan, to their destiny. God give them strength to make to their promised land. The promised land of their marriage, the promised land in their life, the things that you put in them, the dreams that were more than dreams. They were things you showed them that life could be. Father, I speak that it will take place. If they will continue to grow in due season, in due season, rain will fall and the crops will grow. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.